This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. It's now 9.36 a.m. this Wednesday morning, August 5th. I'm Melissa Idris, Julian Ng and Kusu Chuang on the SNM show today. You better tell them what SNM stands for. Stocks and markets. <laughs> Stocks and markets, not, nothing to do with anything indecent. <laughs> However, Bank Nagara, um, they seem to be using all their weapons in their arsenal, uh, from selling foreign reserves to coaxing traders and merchants not to sell their ringgit. Now, that, that last bit there, that's really quite interesting because that's what we call moral suasion, right? Or mm-hmm. as how some news reports have put it, Gentle suasion. No longer moral. Yeah, so I think now we take a look at um, how this gentle suasion, moral suasion will affect uh, stocks and markets and if it will, in fact, work. Chuang, what do you So think? it starts with gentle suasion, then it becomes moral suasion. No, it started with moral. Moral first. first. Yeah, it used to be moral in the 90s. Yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> so this is, this is a nice you know, term used to describe... Um, the exhortations by people, you know, to, to, to in positions of power, to you know, fund managers and and money managers and and you know, bank uh, forex. So, uh, so it, basi- it basically goes like this: uh, somebody picks up the phone and says, "Hi, I'm from Bank Nagara. Hey, don't sell so hey. much lah. Don't sell ringgit <laughs> so much lah." I don't know whether they said that tone. <laughs> I don't know whether they sound like Matthew McConaughey, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so and then the fund manager goes, "Really? Yeah, okay lah." <laughs> yeah, so it's the use of moral grounds to compel someone or, or some, uh, yeah, to, to compel someone to not do something in the name of a greater good, right? So whether that moral ground is the environment or national security or the financial, or the, or, you know, the uh, integrity of the financial system, things like that. So in the context of the ringgit and where it's going, which is south, right? Uh, clearly the Bank Gara is, is calling everybody in any kind of uh, influence on the ringgit's direction to say, hey, don't sell lah, because the country's at stake lah, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and um, I find this extremely interesting because I find uh, two polarities here, right? On the one hand, there is that gentle suasion, and on the other hand, there is direct market intervention or how I would call it market rigging, right? Mm -hmm. As what is done in China right now. So the gentle side of things um, is a lot nicer, but both uh, these polarities uh, raise the question of whether they actually work uh, because... Um, the markets decide. At the end of the day, the markets uh, are, uh, you know, they, they decide on, the market is always right, right, right? They decide on value on certain things. So if the ringgit falls to an extent that's so cheap to do business in Malaysia, tourists would start coming in um, and stock prices become so cheap, investors start pouring money in. The, the investors themselves become a, a self-fulfilling fulfilling prophecy and uh, becomes this a supporting factor for asset valuations. Well, you're seeing it from a glass half full perspective, right? But what about if you are, like, say, a fund manager or you're a forex trader or you're basically a GLC and you've got foreign in, in, institutional shareholders and you're supposed to do the best for them, right? Mm-hmm. And you're compelled by the powers that be to not invest your funds overseas to for, to for, you know, for expansion or for growth and you lose out on a commercial opportunity as, as, as a result. Or if you don't get rid of your... Or you don't liquidate a certain currency position because you're told not to, but then you lose money on behalf of your investors, right? If there's a commercial loss, if there's a financial loss, who bears the brunt? Yeah, so my question is, is moral suasion a legit uh, weapon in a central bank's arsenal? 
It's totally legit. I think it's so totally, they do use it's it. just non-monetary, so right? Is it, uh, Bank, is Bank it, Negara is supposed to be in charge of monetary policy, but uh, it's it's totally within their means to use this kind of moral suasion, uh, even macro prudential uh, uh, policies yep. where they don't use interest rates to influence you. They they use other things, right? They tell you that there's no you shouldn't have any more DIBS, yep. developer interest bearing schemes, and right? Policies uh, like you that. should you should have more deposits. You shouldn't lend too much to the property sector. And this is one great uh, macro prudential uh, uh, effort that they're doing to ask to people be... not to short sell the ringgit. But but is it should it be the first or the last weapon in this arsenal? Doesn't matter whichever is most effective. You know because it doesn't have to be so complex. Right? You take a middle of the road uh, middle of the road com- uh, situation. For example, you know Amno tells Utusan Malaysia to write certain stories in a certain way on behalf of a certain demographic profile to protect their interests, right? In the process, Utusan Malaysia loses their circulation, they lose their readership, they lose advertising opportunities that might ensue if it hadn't been for those kind of stories. And then as a going concern, they diminish over time, right? Or you, or, or someone says to you, hey, Jules, don't drive your Bentley to the meeting lab because you're going to kill the earth, right? <laughs> Take a bicycle instead, right? Yeah, Jules, leave your Bentley at home, Jules. Yeah. Okay, so... Or, or, or then you get to your meeting late and then, you know, you don't reach a conclusion, you lose a, uh, your business deal as a result because you've gotten to work late because you rode a bicycle instead, right? So, because you're trying to save the world, right? So l- l- let me put it to you like this, okay? Um, if I give you uh, an IOU note, right, uh, that says that I would give you... Let's, let's take extreme cases here mm. because uh, extreme cases are in a position to explain things a lot more clearly. Uh, Chuang and Melissa, I'm going to give you both an IOU note uh, that I, I will pay you a million bucks tomorrow. All right? These, this, and this, this, this IOU note Score, mate. Well have, done. <laughs> have a pricing in the market. Okay, let's say that uh, because you're going to receive a million bucks tomorrow, uh, this IOU notes can be sold in the market, like for, for example, for 980,000 ringgit, right? But you, both of you are now not believing me that I will give you this a million bucks and you're selling these IOUs in the market for 950,000 ringgit or, or lower or 800,000 ringgit. So I'm picking up the phone and I'm calling you and say, hey, why are you doing this? I'm paying you a million ringgit tomorrow and you come back to me and say, I don't believe you. Mm. Now, th- this this... I don't believe you thing is the very crux of uh, the problem of this country. What is causing people not to believe uh, that uh, the ringgit is worth a certain value? Yeah, and what will it take for people to start believing? I don't know what it'll take for me to start believing you, Jules, again. You know. oh, yeah, why are you going to use such a difficult example? You're very attracted to that one million bucks, right? But, and yet, I wanted that money and then, and, and yet, and then you told me to go and sell it for $50,000 discount. I mean, come yeah. on, right? Chuck's yeah. mouth watering. So there is that fundamental cash flow issue where all asset pricing is uh, in a technical way the present value of all future cash flows, right? And you bring it to today's terms. But investors are, for some reason, not believing that. Uh, and, and what is the reason for that? Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll find out more about what this tactic of moral suasion is. Take a little closer look at how it works. BFM 89.9. Alyssa Idris here, Julian Ng and Chuang on the SMN, SNM show, Stocks, from, Stocks and Markets. My tongue's all twisted today. Uh, But we're looking at how several senior executives of the central bank met with forex dealers last week uh, to 
softly, softly discourage them from making any transactions that could result in selling the ringgit. So this tactic is called uh, moral suasion or gentle suasion. And today we're exploring whether or not it works. Yep, so um, just going back to a textbook definition of how an asset is valued is uh, you bring all the future cash flows into today's terms. That's uh, what values a stock or uh, the, the ringgit value or a bond or, or another, any other asset, right? Um, so the, the question of whether moral suasion works or not is, uh, is that going to be uh, a reduced confidence that uh, these uh, cash flows will come in? You know, and, and that's uh, the crux of what we are discussing today. Well, in terms of the ringgit and the, uh, the you know, Malaysia's income. That's, that's right, yeah. And, and so we see that on a daily basis, the oil prices uh, keep on mm -hmm. moving down, uh, going downwards, and a lot of uh, the foreign investors are also selling out of the market. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the... Okay, so to, yeah. to, sim to simplify what you're saying, okay, because the central bank is probably telling forex traders, it's okay because to us, the fair value of the ringgit is probably about 350, 360. So 365 exactly that, right? is what they said. Yeah. Right? Today, mm -hmm. it's very near 390. Mm -hmm. And they're telling the forex dealers, don't short or don't sell the ringgit because it'll, be, it'll come back eventually, right? Mm -hmm. Because we are good for our money, right? Which is what you're saying. The problem is, um, the data does not uh, reflect that promise because oil prices continue to drop. If the Iran uh, uh, oil embargo is lifted, even more supply will flood the market. Prices will go further down. China um, slowdown China's also. slowdown will mm -hmm. affect business with us. Um, and our balance of trade is already precariously thin. Uh, you know, I, th I think the, the closest we came to a deficit was in the first quarter of 2013. We just made it into, into a, a surplus situation by the skin of our chinny-chin-chin. Chin. And we've seen the data. We've, you know, the f we've had five months of contraction on, the, on, on manufacturing. We've had two straight months of um, exports contraction. We haven't seen the June, June data yet, but it's going to come out soon. So, uh, on, on the back of all those data points, um, is the ringgit really worth 350, 360? I don't know. Well, that's the thing, right? Fundamentals versus sentiment. And this goes back to what you, Julian, have been talking about. Who do we trust? And I've been reading multiple different uh, analysis from Chris Eng that you spoke to not half an hour ago to MIER Research to MIDF to RAM Ratings all saying, yeah, ringgit could weaken if our price is weakened. Oh, no, it won't touch, fifth, it won't touch four because well, fundamentals Ram, are stronger. RAM and MIER were unified in saying that the ringgit will weaken. They were not unified in where the ringgit will end up eventually. Okay, and you know just all the things that we're discussing in the economy. Those are the fundamentals of the business mm -hmm. of the economy, right? How Malaysia makes and earns its money, right? What about the other side, which is the whole political stability front? Because a currency is a reflection of a country's ability to produce goods and services, as well as its government's ability to manage the economy. Now, when the government in of the day is demonstrably unable to manage the economy and has its own problems to deal with as well in the form of those four letters, um, well, then you've got a problem. <laughs> and then when you've got investigations being scuppered because of a certain uh, reshuffle in the cabinet and, and other issues, then you've got a real problem on your, on your hands. So in Malaysia, sentiment is a four-letter word. It is. Yeah, it it is. starts with initials. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. alphabet soup of uh, various things. And, then, uh, and then gentle suasion, if you add an I into gentle, it becomes something else. And then you've got someone holding <laughs> you by the short and curlies as a result. So. Okay. I, I mean, I mean uh, innuendos aside, I, I think that there is also this uh, uh, tug-of-war between um, short-term investors and long-term investors. I mean, going back to the example, of uh, I'm paying you a million bucks tomorrow, right? Um, 
We're I, back I, here again. I, I, can, I can do that. I can do that. Or some people will say that I can't do that, right? In that process of saying... I'll say to you, Jules, you've got to show me the money first. Correct, you can't just correct. promise to give me a million. Bucks. No, assuming assuming that I can, but in the in the process of uh, of doing that, right? Some people can actually derail my ability to actually pay you a million bucks right. just by saying I can't. Is that the situation that is happening right now? Because um, at, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, even in Greece, right? Uh, assets become attractive enough for people to come in and, and to buy them, right? But uh, there is something that is quite systemic in the short term if uh, people keep saying that, okay, the ringgit is not worth what it is mm -hmm. right now, uh, that may have knock-on effects into the kind of decisions that private uh, investors or private business people may, uh, the kind of decisions that may, may, they may make, they, they will stop those decisions in the short term and that actually sabotages the economy. When you say people say, Jules, so you're referring to the media, you're referring to analysts. I'm, I'm uh, referring to people who actually put their money where their mouth is and actually uh, go against uh, the ringgit by by shorting it, by by selling the ringgit in the open market, right? Um, and it, it is very real. Uh, it, it actually that there is some element of actually kicking the can down the road here, if uh, I can use that term, right? Because there there is that ability uh, to actually kick the can down the road, and if things rise again, then Malaysia doesn't have to go through the possibility of uh, the actual ringgit uh, weakening. But if that that timetable of kicking the can down the road is stopped right on its tracks, like like right right now, it cannot it cannot because there's too many external factors. You know, as the ringgit gets nearer and nearer to four to the to the US dollar, okay, there'll be more and more people uh, considering whether a trade exists in, in buying up the ringgit and seeing it come back down to 350, 360 levels. I mean, if you look at George Soros, who made a whole bundle of cash shorting the ringgit in the late 90s, whether he would be considering a trade on the ringgit and going long on the ringgit from at this point in time. I would have to say probably not because all this is happening even without the Federal Reserve tightening interest mm -hmm. rates, right? And when it does, every emerging market currency, if it hasn't already tumbled by now, will tumble even more. And that's largely, in fact, completely out of our control. I, I, I'm with you there. You know, I, I'm with you about how um, the market works, the uh, mechanics of how the market works. But in the short term, I think there is a very political dimension to it. And it is too long term to change the way we are doing things to actually instill confidence into the system. Uh, in the short term, there are uh, s systemic repercussions uh, to the economy. Uh, remember Asian financial crisis, mm. right, which unseated... Uh, you know, the likes of Suharto, Mahate went out of power, Anwar started a reformasi movement and all, all these uh, companies were, were rocked uh, right. under those situations. Actually, that's a really good point, Jules, because now with the weakening ringgit, right, are you seeing parallels between now and back then? Not as extreme right. as uh, at that time, but who knows if the if the ringgit actually goes to uh, you know four or four fifty, God forbid, right? That there is going to be an effective devaluation of currency, which would have very very wide ranging uh, political political repercussions. Not to mention economic as well, because yeah. that that just sends everybody. I spoke to someone yesterday. He's a software guy, right? You know, he's he's an IT guy. He was actually coming from from a Raya function at the MCMC. You know. <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> <laughs> let's, let's leave it at that. Let's leave it at that, right? <laughs> so he's saying, you know, I, he, you know, nice guy, right? But he's saying, oh, you know, with the ringgit where it is now, he's buying hardware from overseas. He's going to be buying at 389. And I would listen to you this morning, Jules, yeah. about, you know, when you're talking to Ibrahim, right? You know, buy, guys are buying stuff from overseas at 388 to the dollar. Mm. Yeah. And then huge. And this is his margin wiped out. 
I, I was speaking to a guy who arranged uh, rock festivals, right? He said it's, it's hard to bring in bands today because yeah. they're all paid in US dollars, right? Correct. Your ticket, your entry ticket would you cost twenty percent more. You can't charge twenty percent more. Yeah. I'm loving this insight into your social life, guys. <laughs> it's really great. Okay, so it's now nine fifty-four a.m. The news bulletin up in less than ten minutes. But first. Wrong Direction by British India, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.